Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. But before we get started, a couple things we got to make sure we take care of. Family business stuff. So when you show up here and we do the, you know, crossing the aisles, whatever, and hanging out, if you're from here, you got to understand something. For you, you're like, yeah, you're looking for your friends, but you always want to look around for that person that's like not from here, and it's really easy to figure out because they've got this look like they're looking down or they're waiting for someone to talk to them. So, and I'm usually that person when I go places, and it is lame to be that guy, um, and this is a side note. I remember Steph and I, we moved up to the area, and we went to this church, and we were there the whole time. Not one person said hey to us. Not one person, which is fine, because I wouldn't have said hey to me either. <laughs> but then, at the end, they said, okay, whoever's visiting, stand up. And I'm like, and now you're going to embarrass me? <laughs> and so, like, there was, and it, it was that type of church. There was two people that stood up, me and Steph. So I, that's, that experience has scarred me. And so let's not scar anybody, okay? We're not going to make you stand up, but at the same time, have eyes around you outside of yourself and your crew. Um, it's normal. It's normal to want to be with your friends and hang out, and, but we also have to think about people like me and um, not scar them. Okay. The other thing about scarring is I walked around all this morning with my zipper down and nobody said anything. <laughs> okay? That could have been really scarring under certain circumstances, but here's the deal. I expect you to tell me if I have my zipper down, even during the middle of it. I'm standing and walking around, and all, everyone's like, oh, someone's got to say zipper down. I'd rather that than everybody know my zipper was down. So if I have some stuck in my beard. Now, for other people, be a little more sensitive. Maybe send a girl to tell a girl, dude to tell the dude. But let's not scar anyone that way either. Okay. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and... Um, the sermons for this whole series uh, come out of what we've all gone through. And I say all of us because although my family had to deal with uh, my lung transplant and all that's wrapped up with that, our whole church went through this, not only for us, but you went through things. And for me, I'm like, uh, I was talking to the leadership team and some leaders of the church, and I was like, I, I think that we're beating a dead horse. I feel like I keep pulling out, you know, playing the same record. And I, I just don't like highlighting myself. I don't mind being transparent and open, but at the same time, I don't want to like keep going over this. But the, the people that I trust that are in leadership say, look, you need to keep sharing what God's put on your heart. And we know it involved. To you, it may feel like it's getting old, but not to us. This is helpful, and it's, it's, it's guiding us. So use it because it's impacting. So as I share this story I'm going to start with and, and tell you where we're headed, I want to make sure that, um, that you know where that's coming from. So the passage that we're kind of looking at primarily is, is 2 Corinthians 12, 10. Uh, we're going to look at 7 through 10, but uh, verse 10 is right here. Therefore, this is Paul talking, therefore I'm content with weaknesses, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. And if you were to focus on just one part of that, something to grab onto, kind of a, 
uh, a door handle to hold on to, it would be when I am weak, then I am strong. And I know that doesn't make sense when you hear that. Because what do you mean when I'm weak, when I'm strong? Is this some kind of crazy limerick or something? Like, is there a riddle to it? Um, this is how this whole passage and what Paul's trying to communicate, this is what it means. And, and this verse popped into my head during this situation. I woke up at one point in the hospital, and this had been going on for a while, but um, basically I became a baby again, meaning I'd reached the point where other people had to wash me all the time and wipe me. How do you like to hear that, huh? I know that's not imagery you wanted, but I reached that point where I just saw these nurses, and, and even when you say the word nurse, you think, uh, Oh, some young lady. Oh, no, it was all kinds of nurses. <laughs> young ladies, old ladies, old men, young men, all, all different kinds. And I had never understand how beautiful nurses were. And I'm not trying to be funny in the least. Um, it was the most beautiful act of service to watch these people so humbly care for me. And some of the things they had to see and touch and deal with, I just go, I'm sorry. And they would just look at me like, no, this is, a few of them said it this way, no, this is what we do. And the way they said it, it was almost as if they were saying, no, this is beautiful and we love to do this. And I was, and so in, in the beginning, you can, like I remember reading about someone that went through this. He had ALS and he knew it was coming to the point where he was going to have to have someone, as he said it, wipe his butt. And he was petrified of that moment. And I, I thought as I was reading that book, this was a long time ago, I read that book, I thought, oh, that would be really rough for me. It's not that rough. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it's so beautiful. Because when you think about taking care of a child and being cared for, don't we all want to be cared for that way? And you'd think you'd be dealing with these pride issues of like, oh, I'm too cool for this. I don't want to look weak. But that's what it was. And it was during those moments when, and this is as as crazy as it sounds, during these times of me being at my weakest, limited the most, that God did the most through me. When I was weak, I was strong. When I was at my absolute weakest, when I was reverted back to a baby, when I couldn't even care for myself, God was doing the most out of my life. In fact, at the moment that they put me in, they paralyzed me and put me into a coma was the time that God did the most not only in our church, but in the other cities, around the world, and with other people. And I'm a guy that works really hard to have an impact. And yet when he stripped me away of everything was when God chose to show his power the most. But when we talk about weakness, I want us to get into that word. I want us to get into that word right away. When I am weak, all through this chapter, it talks about weakness. And when you think about weakness, what could go through your mind is, well, when I'm weak, then I'm strong? You mean like, like for example, right now, I'm at my physically weakest stage uh, that I've been in a long time in my life. Um, my 13-year-old son is handing down clothes to me because that's how much weight I've lost. We'll have like, um, we had this bottle that couldn't be opened and, 
And um, I'm like, hey, Keaton, can you open this? Like, I had to ask my son to try to open it. He couldn't open it, so that was cool. But <laughs> that idea of feeling weak, like when we say when I am weak, I am strong, you're thinking that. Oh, that's what weakness is. That's not what that word means. And it appears time and time again here when Paul's using it. So this word can be translated in these ways. And we ha- when we hear a certain word like strong or weak, we have an assumption right away. I want you to look at those words this way. When I am suffering, then I am strong. When I'm being persecuted, when I am poor, when I'm physically weak or disabled, when I'm sick, when, when, I, when I have a lack of control. Can any of you relate with any of this, by the way? I'm sure you can. So for us, we've got to understand we're all weak. We're limited. When I have a lack of honor with others, then I am strong. Uh, no, that's when I feel like I just want to go avoid everything because I feel like I don't have honor with others. So how could I possibly help them or care for them? When I have troubles, I am strong. When I have difficulties. When I am low in faith, I'm strong. That doesn't make any sense, does it? But it does. When I doubt, I am strong. When I hesitate, when I'm unsettled, when I'm timid, when I'm wanting of strength or control, when I'm imperfect, both intellectually and morally. Anyone here imperfect? Raise your hand. Okay, those of you who are perfect, please stay afterwards. We need some help. (laughs) All of you are imperfect. We all have limitations. And yet, we work so hard to compensate. We work so hard to try to cover it up. When I'm weak, I try to make myself look strong. And what I want to say this morning is what I believe Paul is saying and what Scripture says over and over again. Stop trying to fake it. Stop trying to pretend, not just to others, but especially to yourself. And instead, embrace it. Embrace this limitation. Because when you do, then God's power can then come out of you and be used. So I want us to look at that. I want us to look at that, but to to understand how many different ways that we try to cover this up, because it's a strength. Time and time again, um, I'll deal with young couples, because our church, you know, there's a lot of young couples that come, and um, either they meet someone here, they meet someone else outside, and it's marriage time. And time and time again, thankfully, I'll have either the bride or the groom go, I'm really nervous about this because I don't know if I can be the husband I need to be. I don't know if I can be the wife I need to be. When I hear that, I'm like, whew, you're in good shape. It's the, it's the couple like, well, we never fight. We love each other. We really get along. We're going to have a great marriage. It's not going to be a problem. I'm like, oh, No. Because they think they're strong. They don't understand. No, just you wait. Because you're going to realize how selfish you are, how insecure you are, how imperfect you are when you get married. So when they feel limited, then I have hope for the strength of their marriage. And I've seen it time and time again. I, um, uh, uh, one of our junior high interns we, we said, we really want you to do this. And he said, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm afraid of messing up. I just, that's an honor. That's a huge place to have this influence with these teenagers. I, I, I'm afraid of failing. I went, 
That's why we want you. Because you have that humility, you have that understanding that you can't do this. And when you know your limitations and you embrace it, and yet you still move forward, God will show up and he will do the work through you. People with his parents, uh, I don't, I'm going to be a horrible parent. I don't know how to do this. Okay, first of all, you won't be horrible, but yeah, you have no clue what you're doing. And once you've done it for 10 years, you're still going to realize you have no clue what you're doing. And once your kids graduate and they move away, you're going to realize, oh, I had no clue what I was doing. And then you're going to become a grandparent. And then you're going to go, ha, oh, I have no clue what I'm doing. But as soon as a parent or grandparent is like, I got this wired, I've done this before. You're like, oh, no. Because when you are weak, when you understand that you're limited and you embrace it and you don't try to compensate or fake it, then you're right where you need to be. So let's look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 7. It's important to know some of the background here. Paul is talking a lot about boasting because he's trying to talk about his place and other apostles and where he fits in. And he starts to share this story, because uh, you have to understand, Paul, he, he got his butt whooped several times. And what I mean by that is, I mean, he really got whooped. He, uh, he got whipped five times, um, you know, the, the lashes that Jesus had. Now, he, Jesus had it from the Romans. Paul says he had it from the Jewish leaders. But he got whipped five times up to 39 lashes. Why 39? Because they said at 40, uh, you're going to die. So we'll just stop right before. So they took it to 39. He had that done five times. He got stoned once. Now, I don't mean stoned. I mean they took rocks to kill him. I mean, he's going, this guy got shipwrecked. I can't remember how many times it was. I mean, three times. Who gets shipwrecked three different times? And this was all because he was traveling around to share the gospel. And this is a guy that used to do this to other people. They used to whip other people. And then when Jesus confronted him, he turned his life around and then started sharing about the love that Jesus had and what Jesus had done. So this is a guy that had every reason to boast. This is a guy that during one of these times, most likely, because he shares about this in the beginning of chapter 12, if you read the beginning of chapter 12, you're like, who's this guy he's talking about? He's talking about himself. He's talking in the third person, which is always weird. But he's doing it because he's trying not to boast and he doesn't want to talk about himself. But he says, I was lifted up to heaven. And I got to see things and hear things that should not be uttered by a, by a human. That's pretty big time. So as he's sharing all that, he then gets to verse 7 where he says this. Therefore, whenever you see therefore, it's there for a reason. And it's referring back to this, well, I was taken up to heaven and I got to see all this. And, and I have this, this, this badge of braveness because I got shipwrecked for my faith and I got beat for my faith. He said, all of that happened, but therefore, so that I would not become arrogant, so I wouldn't compensate, so I wouldn't try to put a mask of confidence on, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. We have no idea what this is. So we're not going to spend time trying to think of all the things a thorn in the flesh could be, but that basically brought him to weakness. There was suffering, there was disability, there was something. It could have been physical, it could have been emotional, but it was significant enough that he says this, he calls it a messenger of Satan. It was a messenger of Satan to trouble me so that I would not become arrogant. And Paul says he asked the Lord three times about this that it would leave him. 
Now, when we talk about being weak, therefore I'm weak, now I'm strong, that doesn't mean we're like, good, what's the next thing I can get? What kind of suffering can I find? We're not supposed to want this. That's why Paul said, please take it away. David, from the Old Testament, did the same thing. Lord, take this from me. Jesus himself said, Lord, about the cross, three times Jesus said, can you take this from me? But not my will, yours be done. And so when we talk about this, ask the Lord to take it away. But if he doesn't, then look at it with the eyes that Paul does, with the eyes that Jesus does and that David did. So he asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me. But this was God's response to him. My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now that verse is so powerful that we are going to talk more about that next week. Uh, we're going to talk about confession, and we're going to really unpack that, because there's way too much to say about that, and I'll cry the whole time. The next verse, so then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses. So instead of boasting about his sufferings, about uh, all, not his sufferings, but about all, the, uh, all of his badges of honor, all the ways in which he has suffered for God on purpose with the shipwrecks and the beatings, he says, I will instead boast about my limitations so that, there's a reason behind it, so that the power of Christ may reside in me. That word power, some of your Bibles will translate it strength, so the strength of Christ may reside in me. Again, the power, and this is important that we understand this, this isn't, hey, when you embrace your weakness, then you are gonna become so bad to the bone. You are gonna be so strong. That's not what it's saying. You're still not the strong one. It is God who is strong, but he will be inside of you. We are just vessels. We are cups. We are gloves that were designed and meant to hold this power, but we are not the powerful ones. It's still God doing this work. When I talk about being in the hospital and, and the most impact I've ever had in my life on another human being happened when I was at my weakest, weakness, it wasn't because of me. I didn't do anything. But I was most able for God to use me. Because God has always been in the business of choosing the weak to show his strength. Now, we're all weak, right? So, well, then why wouldn't he just choose everybody? Because not everybody embraces that reality. And when we try to avoid that reality and try to go, okay, I'm not weak, I'm strong, then we just do dumb things. I think of some of the cars I bought growing up. I wanted the, huge, the biggest trucks with the biggest tires. Luckily, I could never afford it, so people wouldn't go, compensating, trying to look like a tough guy because he's only 5'8", 130 pounds. He wants to look tough. That's really what it was. I got to work out, you know, because I'm training for surfing. No, it wasn't because I wanted people to look and see power, and I didn't have it, and now I have even less of it. But that we do dumb things. You look at Peter. Peter, the apostle, was not willing to embrace his limitations. And he'd always be popping off and doing some dumb things. And, and Jesus would constantly just try to model to them. Embrace this. 
Let God do the work. Stop trying to pretend to be somebody you're not. And Peter, it, it, this, this, he has so many moments. Just read the book of Mark because that's his depiction. And, he's, and you look at Peter in the book of Mark and you're like, what is wrong with Peter? Well, that's because Peter's looking back at his life like I did about wanting to own a truck or whatever. And he's looking back at his life and like, yeah, I cut that priest's ear off. What an idiot I was. Like, oh, I'm taking you all on. Like, I'm going to protect Jesus when Jesus said, look, I have to go do this. But Peter didn't want Jesus to look weak, to look unable. And yet Jesus was surrendering to this. This word power, this word power, it doesn't mean what you think it does. It means to be able. So when I am weak, the ableness of God will dwell within me. When I am limited, the power of God will be within me. When, when I am feeling unvalidated is the validation of God himself that will reside in me. As I'm saying this, do you believe this? Or you think I'm talking about just Paul? Or do you realize that Paul is one of us, that you are the same? Do you believe that? Do you know that? I don't know how you define yourself, but you are not the one to define yourself. God is. And Paul is trying to clearly define, look, this is what God has shown me about myself and about us. That when I feel undistinguished or the last person to have any authority when I embrace that, then God's distinguishedness is able to impact others and love others, to have authority over others. When, when I feel like I have no influence or ability to have an impact in this world, I can't change the world. When I realize that, then I am now able for God to set me aside where he can change the world. What, when I feel that I couldn't possibly do something, and I embrace that, then God's possibilities can happen. Capable. I mean, if you just want to sum it up to one word, it's to be able. That word, the word that's actually there is where we get the word dynamite from. So that word power and strength, it's the word we use for dynamite. Do you understand, do you embrace the fact that you are designed to hold dynamite and to blow things up. Think about that. That's what we were meant to do. And we are filled with examples. Paul, he blew up his entire culture. He embraced this reality because before that, he was, he was resting, as he says earlier in 2 Corinthians, he goes, I, I was holding on to my accomplishments you know, I got this degree and I did this and I was really smart at this and I was a great speaker and I could do this and I could do this. But then God showed me who I really was. And then he got to the point where he actually changed the world, where he blew it up. You do understand what I mean by blowing it up, right? That's a good thing. We're not talking about destruction, although taking down injustice, taking down untruths, but especially building something. So it's, it's that combination of both. To, to take down that which is wrong, but to build up that which needs to be done, to blow it up. Um, Steph talked last week about Mary. Talk about Mary and Elizabeth, two women that in, in their culture and in our culture would be looked at to some degree as being weak, 
oh, Mary, you're a single pregnant teenager out of wedlock. Yet she was the one that God chose to be the mother of God. He chooses the weak to show his, his strength. Elizabeth had been trying for years to have a child. And at that culture, at that time, they actually would shame them. Well, something must be wrong with you then. And they would be shamed. And yet God chose her for, John, for her to give birth to John the Baptist. I think of our church. This is a tiny little church in the world. And yet it has been communicated to us from churches in our area, from other megachurches, from other people around the world. I mean, I got, a, I got a text from Tori Spelling. Yeah, not just a text, a video text. <laughs> saying thank you for what you have done. This community of faith, you blew her up. You had an impact, and yet we were at our weakest as a community of faith, and yet God chose to show his strength within us. Jesus himself, when he chose his disciples, why didn't he go and choose the leaders, the kings? Why did he choose fishermen and farmers and tax collectors? Because they were the most able to get to that point to embrace their limitations. Um, my son and I, we were... Uh, we, we were in a, uh, a max moment where I was left to take care of the kids and I found a way where two of the kids got farmed out and I had one and one of us went and we went and uh, got some food at this Italian takeout place uh, in our city. And um, I don't get out much, but I was out and one of our friends uh, who I hadn't seen in a while, not a really close friend, but just an amazing guy and we've known his kids and our kids grew up together and he came up and he walked in and we get this typical response. He's like, whoa. And, um, and you know, this is a tough guy, right? I like surfer, you know, I'm in the community, I work in the surf industry. And he, he walks up and his eyes just start watering. And he says, you know what, man? You will never know the impact you've had on my family and you'll just never know. And it's still like, are you serious? Like, I didn't do anything. But God did. He chose this whole experience to do things like that. And when you think about being at our weakest, Jesus, the Son of God, his greatest gift to us was to become the weakest he could be and to die on a cross. We need to embrace the reality of our limitations and not be afraid of it. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, well, I'm not good enough here, or I struggle with this, or I, I would never, you know what? Don't be afraid of that. Embrace that. Because then when you ask God to take it away, if he chooses not to take it away, now let's be honest here. Some of the, the stuff we're dealing with is of our own making. And some of it is the sin of others. And there's consequences to sin. That's just the reality. But in that, as we've talked about before, God can even take that and repurpose it. But then there's just the senseless stuff where we're like, wait, I don't understand why this would happen. Or why do I feel this way? Or why did this happen to me? It's not fair. And I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not, Paul wasn't saying it's fair that he got whipped that many times. And this thorn in the flesh, we have no idea what it was. But it doesn't sound fair. But God can repurpose that 
and show his power in it to the point where you want to embrace it. My kids still have a hard time understanding, just like I do, that if I could go through this again, I would. I'm not pumped about what it put my wife through and still puts her through. I'm not pumped about what my kids still have to go through dealing with the trauma of what they went through. But at the same time, I've seen the power of God. I've seen the dynamite of God come and blow things up to repurpose them. And my hope for us is that you will embrace that, that you won't run from it and be afraid of it. It doesn't mean you need to run to it like, yay, suffering, this is awesome. But at the same time, to understand that in that, when we ask God to take it away, if he doesn't take it away, then he can repurpose it because he is all able, all powerful, all authoritative. He has the authority to change to recreate, and he wants to use us. You have that responsibility. As a community, one of the best things that's happened is that we become transparent with each other. You know, we have these groups. One of the things that keeps people from joining groups of other people is because you've got to be with other people. And when you're with other people, one of the most difficult things is not just them, but you seeing yourself in them or having them mirror back to you. Like, I don't really want to be open and honest. I just want to encourage you to be transparent for the benefit of others, to embrace that. Because we're all in the same boat. We just try to compensate and make it look different. It doesn't mean we need to walk around and go, hey, I'm incontinent. I mean, that's a little awkward. You know what I mean? But I'm sharing that kind of stuff with you because if I'm going to take the bar that high, then if you take it here, we're good enough. But we all struggle with all kinds of things where we don't feel able, so stop trying to pretend that we, and that there's nothing wrong with being confident. There's nothing wrong with, with recognizing the strengths that God has given you, but let's be honest and transparent in this community. And secondarily, you are here and designed for the purpose on this planet to blow things up, to love God and to love others, and there is nothing more dynamite than God's love that is shared with others in a very practical way, where we pour our lives out for other people and we put others above ourselves. And you may go, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I don't care what your struggle is or what you think it is. That means you are weak. Embrace it. It's the reality. We all have it. Because we are jars of clay. I was gonna put it up there, but I don't wanna put it up there. I want you to look it up in your Bible. Second Corinthians, you're already there. Chapter four, verse seven. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Us. He's, he's, Paul is saying we are jars of clay. And these jars were meant to show the surpassing greatness of God's power. Because when God shows up and we realize we're just jars of clay, then you're like, well, where did it all happen? Then it must have come from God. These jars of clay that he talks about, that's, I mean, that was what they had. They didn't have like mason jars or fancy glasses or wine. I mean, they had jars. That's what they would drink out of, jars. And these jars, they were very temporary. In fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you've ever heard about them, they were in these jars of clay. And the way they found them was this kid, you know, they were throwing rocks and the one went into the cave and hit one of these jars and it just shattered because jars of clay are fragile. But yet they were designed to hold great things. 
you were designed to hold greatness, to hold the spirit of God. It's because we are jars of clay that we know we were set aside for that purpose. God did not, cho- did not create containers of steel or titanium or diamond. He created us out of the dust of the earth, out of clay, to show his surpassing greatness. So I'm gonna invite the, the worship team up and they're gonna lead us. And I ask you to start standing and if any time you wanna sit down, you're welcome to, but if we could start by standing. And in this time, um, we're gonna take communion. Communion is a, an act of prayer, an act of worship. Uh, worship and prayer are basically like kind of the same words. And um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he said, to do this in remembrance of me. To do this, and, and with that, there's so much wrapped up in who he is. Let's remember his greatness, his power. And as you come, we are not worthy to take this communion. And what I mean by that is, is, is we're jars of clay. However, we are worthy because God says we are, because we were meant to partake of this. And we do this to remember that. So um, we're going to have, uh, are we having one station? Well, either one station or two. We're going to have two, and they're going to both be up front. So there's nothing in the back um, because we wanted you to come up front because that's an act of humility because we got to walk by each other, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, people are going to see me. I'm walking up. Oh. Kind of like when we have this time of prayer. At the end, we're going to have a time of prayer out here. And you're like, oh, if someone sees me walk up and pray, they might know I'm, I'm messed up. Yeah, we know you're messed up. We're just stoked that you realize it like we're trying to realize it in our own life because we all need that at times where we reach a certain point of weakness. We're like, oh, I need this more than anyone right now, right here. Peter, this is one of my favorite things. People say God doesn't love people more than others. Not true. Peter, when, when he was in his situation after betraying Christ, then when Jesus came back and he was talking to the disciples, and the, and the angels, at, at different times they would speak and they said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because at that moment, at that time, Peter needed to be loved more than everybody else. Not because Peter was his favorite, because he needed it more. This time of communion, maybe you're that person. Maybe they're in the time of prayer afterwards, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the one that God needs to love most at this time. You can also come and, and come to the back for prayer later to pray for somebody else because they need it more than anybody else. So utilize that time. 